grab your, grab whatever copy of God's word. And if you're watching at home, we say, welcome, love you. So glad you're with us. But you grab your copy of God's word right now too, whatever it is. If it's, if it's uh, digital meaning it's on your phone, you're going to click there. Fine. If it's analog meaning you're going to turn pages old school, that's fine. But listen, now if you're on your phone, you leave everybody on red. Don't be responding to messages. Right. And listen, don't 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 get pulled in to news feeds and all that. Put on do not disturb and get your Bible. out. Um, and we we've been in a series of messages that that we called. Do you know what it is without fail? And we're talking about building our life on something. I mean, there are a lot of things in our culture, in our society, in our world that claim to produce results. Like just watch an infomercial. Like watch how many infomercials there are. I think there are infomercials about infomercials. And, and there's always a potion or a pill. Or I, this thing come on the other night where this lady was teaching ballet to get in shape. And, and I was like, she obviously has never met me. This works for everybody, honey. Ballet does not work for me. There's nothing about this that ballets. Buffet, but not ballet. Are you with me? And so, and so we, and then we have a culture where it's like, man, if you, if you have the right status, the right position, the right job, the right significant other, if you do this or don't, and, and there's so many things in our world competing as foundations to build our life on. And all of those things are faulty and frail and they eventually will fail. But according, according to God, according to his word, there is one foundation, there is one thing that guarantees success. Like everybody's trying, well, if I get this degree, I'll have success. If I go to this master class, then, then I'll finally be successful. And, and everybody, it, like they're all, we're all trying to be, and the word of God, the word of God is guaranteed success. Read Psalm 1. Like, like if, you, if you heed the word of God, you're like a tree planted by the water and you're going to produce fruit and it's never going to fail. Joshua, he said, God said this, the, the, the book of the law will not depart out of your mouth, but you'll meditate it day and night. Be careful to observe all that's written in it. And then will you make your way prosperous? And then will you have success? When will you have success? When you get God's word in your life and you live according to God's word, you will have success. Like it is a, it, it's free. So there's no money back guarantee, but it's guaranteed success. And at a culture that is screaming at you, vehemently screaming, violently, <laughs> erratically, like telling you all these things that you need to do that work, I'm telling you there is one thing that will not fail, and it's the Word of God. It's the word of God. Jesus said, the word of God will stand forever. Isaiah said, grass is going to wither, flowers are going to fade, but the word of God endures forever. Peter said, the word of God remains forever. It is in there over and over that when heaven and earth have passed away, that's what Jesus said, your word's not going to pass away. It won't fail. And people are sitting here like, I don't know how to be successful in my marriage. The word of God, I don't know how successful in my finances. The word of God, I don't know how to get over anxiety and fear and worry. The the word of God, the word of God, the word of God, the word of God. And I, and I just had a, a burden. I was sharing with a friend of mine um, who speaks sometimes here and, and we like to talk about Bible stuff. And, and I was sharing with him. I said, you know, back in, it was like in December when this really was just ignited in my heart. And a lot of times I'll go out to, and this is not a knock on anything at all, but I will go out to some of the, even the, the pastors that I listen to when I'm just having my own church and I'll go out and listen to, have they been talking about this subject? Cause if I feel a burden, then maybe God's stirring. And I said, I was amazed at how few messages I could find on the power of the word of God and how to implement the word of God into your life. I'm not saying they're not preaching the Bible. They're very much preaching the Bible and they're talking about confidence and they're talking about faith and they're talking about, you know, living the life that God's called you to. All those are wonderful things, but I'm talking about like the fact that the Bible is the authority of God, that it's the word of God, that it's the power of God. And I was amazed that I couldn't find more messages because I'm like, this is guaranteed success. This is what makes the whole thing work. And, and so I, I said, and then the burden just got stronger because then I just want to grab the camera and say, ah, you got to hear this. 
So anyways, that's where the series came from. So grab your Bible. We're in Romans chapter one. <laughs> We're in Romans chapter one. Um, the book of Romans, Paul writes the book of Romans in the mid fifties AD. Uh, he'd never been to Rome. He always felt called to go to Rome. He ends up going to Rome as a prisoner. Um, how many know that God gives you a destiny and then he decides how you're going to get there? Come on, Joseph, like God gives you a destiny, but sometimes the way to get there, I think that's why God shows us the end from the beginning, but doesn't show us the process because some of us, come on, where are you at? If you saw the process, you'd be like, no, I'm out, Jesus. I didn't realize it's going to be hard. There was going to be a test. Like I was expecting a, a private charter flight to get me there, not a Roman ship, you know, and Anyway, so he writes in, in 50 AD, it's in the third missionary journey of Paul, and he writes, because there's some problems in Rome, and what happened is the Roman church was an integrated church of Messianic Jews, meaning Jews that believed Jesus was the Messiah, because Orthodox Jews do not. So Messianic Jews and, and Greeks or Gentiles are, are non-Jewish people. The Bible would call them Gentiles. So if you're not a Jew, you're a Gentile. Um, and, so, uh, and so it was this integrated church, uh, diverse church. And then the emperor Claudius, um, actually made all the Jews leave Rome. So for five years, there's no Jewish influence in the Roman church. And then when the Jews come back, they're like, man, you Gentiles have totally messed up this thing called religion. Like y'all have got it all messed up. And now they couldn't decide how is a person right with God and do, do like our Gentiles, do they have to adhere to the same dietary restrictions as the Jews? Do they need to be circumcised? If you don't know what that is, Google it over lunch, have a conversation. It'd be awesome. Um, and, and so they can't even decide how you follow God. They can't even decide that. And so Paul is writing, and that's why the book of Romans, I think, is one of the most complete um, messages of the God. It totally encapsulates the gospel like the good news of Jesus. And, and it talks about salvation and it talks about the grace and the goodness of God. And, and, and it is just, I mean, it's so rich because Paul's like, I got to line y'all out. Y'all have gone crazy down there in Rome. And the truth was Paul was wanting to unite Rome because he had um, an aspiration to go to Spain, to go as far west as Spain with the gospel. And he's going to use Rome as a home base. So he's, he's like, listen, y'all got to get your stuff together. Y'all got to be the church. And, and, and so we're in Romans chapter one. And really I'm going to spend the whole time on one verse. I'm going to read two verses, but I'm going to spend the whole time on one. Um, and, uh, we're going to go through a lot of scripture. So buckle in, it will be on the screens. Uh, Romans one verse 16, it says this, Paul says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God unto or to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also the Greek, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it, as it is written, the just will live by faith. I am not ashamed. Paul said this, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also the Greek. I call this message um, power words, power words. Um, let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for the word of God. And Lord, we have gathered today to hear from you. And Holy Spirit, we pray you would come and speak words of life and plant them in our hearts that they would produce, God, righteousness. They would produce, God, the things you desire in our lives. So Lord, we're listening we ask you to speak, change our lives forever in Jesus' name. Um, you know, words today don't always mean, I know every generation has felt this way, but words today don't always mean what you think they mean. Like, you know, the word snack. It, if, if you talk to me about a snack, I'm thinking about a granola bar. I'm not thinking about someone's looking cute. That's what I'm going to, yeah, some of you are like, really? Yeah, like, oh, they're snacking, man. Um, wow. um, the word dripping, um, like, to me, if it's dripping, it's leaking. Um, but Luke and I, <laughs> Luke and I were in Best Buy, and we were buying him a computer, 
And this young guy that was helping us, he, he looked at me while he's doing all the stuff. And he kind of like looked and he said, do you dress like that all the time? And, and I was like, is this a trick question? I'm thinking like, and I really didn't, I wasn't dressed up or anything like that. I was wearing a pair of jeans, had some holes in them and a shirt. And, and I did have some Air Force Ones on, if that means anything to you, but, um, which I love them. They're wonderful shoes. And so um, I was like, yeah. He's like, you're dripping. I'm like, I feel like it's too early for Depends, but if I need them, I mean, I don't know what's happened if I'm dripping. And so, <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> it's just, it's, it's because it's time change. I need to keep everything light and keep you involved. But, but anyways, but apparently that meant that, that I, my outfit was good, Right. Um, and I thought about the word of God. And when I read this, I went old school with the definition, not new. I mean, it could be, but it's old school because I thought when he says the, the gospel of Jesus is the power of God, I was like power words. Every word is dripping with power. Every word is dripping with power. Power words like there is no word in the Bible by accident. Whether you're in the book of Nahum or you're in the book of Leviticus where it's talking about a scab. Or you're in the Song of Solomon, which you shouldn't even read unless you're married. Like every word of God is dripping with power. And here Paul rallying, rallying the Roman church and bringing them to unity. He's like, listen, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because the gospel of Christ, in other words, the message, the good news of Jesus, the word Christ is not actually his last name. He, he wasn't born to Joseph and Mary Christ. Um, it is actually indicative of his function and the title that he is the Christ, or you would say the anointed one, the one with God's power and presence on him. And so he said, this, this word of God is the message of God's anointed messenger and the power of God that was on him. That's why the word and, and Jesus are inseparable. They're not identical, but they're inseparable because in the beginning was the word and the word was God and the word was with with God, and, and then the word came and dwelt among us and made his home among us, his dwelling among us, and we beheld his glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of mercy, full of grace and truth. Like that tells us God and the word are inseparable, and Jesus and the word are inseparable. That if I have the word of God, I have God, I have his words, and they are dripping with power. So, three things I'm going to give you points now so that I know the introduction's over. That's really why I have the points. It tells me to move on. Because otherwise I can talk. But write this down. If you have the word of God, you have the power of God. Look at what Paul says. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. This is the good news. This is the message. This is the Bible. This is the word of God. I'm not ashamed of the word of God. Why? Because it is the power of God. I'm not ashamed of the word of God because it's the power of God. What is the power of God? The word of God. What is the word of God? It's the power of God. Like, like you, you need to understand that every word from God is, is, again, dripping with, laced with, full of, like words are containers. And, and every word of God is actually full of the power of God. Hebrews 1.3 says, Who being in the bright, brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power. I love this verse. One of my favorites because the word of his power, I like some translations say the power of his word. And I like that because his words are powerful, but I like it when it says the word of his power. In other words, there's power and there's the word that expresses the power that God is powerful. And the way God releases power is the expression of words. He speaks when God wants to release power, he speaks. Genesis chapter one, verse two. In the beginning was God and God created the heavens and the earth. Right. And then said, and God said, then God said, in fact, 10 times in Genesis chapter one, God spoke. And every time God spoke, something happened. Every time God spoke, he wasn't explaining 
wasn't even trying to get you to understand. Like, for everyone that doesn't believe God, I just like how the Bible starts. Like, God took no time to explain who he was to our psyche. Like, okay, guys, sit down. Let me explain so that I'm this infinite, eternal, all-knowing, all-powerful. He was like, in the beginning, God. That's what you need to know. How did this all start? God. Where was the beginning? When God said it was the beginning? And 10 times he says, and God said, and God said, and God said. Have you ever wondered what language God speaks? Because if, if we're American in our thinking, and most of us are, most Americans speak two languages. We speak English and, and American. Um, or a dialect of American East Texan. Um, but we'll think, well, God speaks English, you know. And, and if you grew up in old school church, God speaks the king's English. With the these and the thous and the for which cause and the thus and the and the shalls and the shall nots and the shants. I made that one up. But anyways, um, but we think we think that God speaks English. The truth is God speaks reality. When we talk, our words are symbols of reality. When, he, when God talks, his words are the power that create reality. So if I wanted to describe a chair, I would say a chair. Now, you're sitting here. Yes, you got the symbol of the word chair, and it produced a picture of a chair. If God said chair, it's not a symbol. It's a reality, and it doesn't produce a picture. It produces something real. God has to be so careful with what he says. He can never have a day that he vents. Because if God ever vented, we would be gone. God can't go out on Facebook and just make a post because he got upset at somebody and how they served his coffee because he would blow up every coffee shop. Like we need to be glad God wasn't venting because if he got upset, and I'm saying at some point in your life, God was not the happiest with you. That's all I'm saying. No, he's always been happy with me. You're delusional. God is not mad at you. I'm just making the point that God can't vent. Because if God goes off with his mouth, he'll destroy half the world or all of it. Because once God speaks, it creates. He can, listen, I know this is like double negative, but he cannot speak and it not. That's not, actually, it's not double negative. That's correct. He cannot speak and it not create. If he speaks, he creates. There's not a way for him to talk and it not produce reality. Are you with me? That's why Hebrews 1.3 says he holds all things together with the word of his power. If God stops talking, everything falls apart. We're not riding around on the cosmos. We are riding around on the words of God. Look at Isaiah 55, verse 10. It's one of my favorites. It says, For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and don't return, but water the earth, like, have you ever seen rain come down and go back up without doing anything? Nothing got wet? That's what Isaiah is saying. He hadn't seen it either. He said, as the rain comes down and the snow comes down and waters the earth and makes it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that for which I purpose and will succeed in the thing for which I sent it. Here's what, here's what Isaiah is saying. He can't talk. And nothing happened. If he talks, something happens. If God speaks, something happens. Inherent in the word of God is the power of God. I'm trying to get you to understand that the words between those leather covers are not words. They're power. They're not words. They're power. It's not a novel. It's not a book like somebody else's book. It's the power of God. Like, if you have the word of God, you have the power of God. Do you remember when the angel um, Gabriel comes to Mary? And, 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 um, and she says, you know, how am I going to have this child? I, I know not a man. This is King James. Um, 
And, and the angel says, you know, the Holy Spirit's going to overshadow you. And we come to this verse that everyone quotes, and you should quote, it's a great verse in Luke chapter one, because in, 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 in like the old King James, it said, for nothing will be impossible with God. Like, I love that verse. I think, I think if he is your God, you should live every day poised for a miracle. Yeah. Amen. You should not accept impossibility because God's never met impossibility. God does, he, he, nothing is impossible where there's God. But in the NIV, it, it, it records it this way, for no word from God will ever, ever fail, which is a little bit closer. If you go and you break down the actual Greek, uh, which is a little bit hard to do because it's, you know, that's why we have, it's a translation, not just an interpretation. Um, and, and, and if you go word by word, it gets into double negatives that starts. So you're like, I'm not sure. But, but according to theologians beyond myself, and I wouldn't really call myself a theologian, but, um, but according to theologians, when you look at the Greek and you look in that verse, what it would actually say is no word from God, or, or let me back up, put it in the positive. Every word from God contains the power to fulfill itself that God never speaks vainly. I mean, it lines up with all the verses we've just read. But, but here's, here's what the, the conversation is. Mary's like, well, how, this, how is this going to happen? The angel, God said. I don't know. How, how's, how am I going to prosper in the midst of a pandemic? God said. How am I going to be well? And healthy, God said. How am I going to have peace when the world around me is absolutely chaotic? God said, my peace I give you. My peace I leave with you. Not as the world gives do I give. Like this is what I want you to understand is that the word of God produces the results of God. That's what power really means. The ability to produce a result. That's what power is. If you have the strength to do something or the power to do something, you have the power to produce a result. You get the desired result. You have the ability or capacity or power or strength to get the, and that's what the word of God is. It is the power and the ability and the capacity of God to produce the, the purpose and the will of God in your life. Yeah. Yep. And you say, well, I don't know what the will of God is in my life. Great thing is the Bible tells you. Yeah. So God tells you what his plan is. He tells you what his will is. And then he tells you he has the power to do it. And then the words that told you what it was actually have the power to do it. Amen. Amen. Um, <laughs> something cool. So in like Mark chapter four, it talks about the word of God being seed. This is Jesus. The parable of the, the it's really the parable of the soils, really. Um, and, and the word they use for seed, just because I like making awkward moments and strange conversations in church, is actually the Greek word sperma. Yes, it's where we get the word sperm. Good morning. Welcome to church. Are we in church or not great biology? Um, but, but it's saying that the word of God is actually a seed. And inside the seed is everything necessary to bring forth the tree or the plant. All you have to do is plant it. The seed actually has dominion over the soil. The soil does not have dominion over the seed. Meaning when the word of God, and the soil is our heart, when the word of God is planted in our heart, it has dominion to produce after the seed, regardless of what our soil thinks. So when my heart is troubled, but I put a seed of peace in there, the troubled soul of my heart has to submit to the, this is so good. The, the trouble, see, the soul of my heart has to submit to the power of the seed. This is how God transforms your life. When I can't find happiness or joy and I take the word of God, Psalm 19, that said your precepts are true, making rejoicing in my heart, making joy come up in my heart. Like I'm depressed and discouraged. What do I do? I get a seed because I got depressed soil and I put the seed of God's word in the soil of my heart and it takes dominion. Why do you think John, John 15, 7, 
tells us to pray the word of God. He said, if, if, if you abide in me, you remain in me, right? And my words remain in you or abide in you, then you will ask what you desire and it, and it, and it will be done. How powerful would it be? Because I don't know about you, but when it comes to praying, sometimes we have a tendency to pray our words. Sometimes we have a tendency to gripe and call it prayer. Oh, come on. I can't be the only one. Everybody's like, oh, not me, Pastor. I'm oh, so very holy. Well, maybe someday we can be like you. That's great and wonderful. And but for the rest of us, the mortals, there are times where we go to God and say, God, I don't know if you're aware of this. Things aren't going well. And I'm not very happy because I have paid my tithe. I am leading a life group because don't we want to give God the list of all of our accolades? And that's the first thing religion does is it tries to find. <clears throat> God, you're not holding up your end. But when we get done with our gripping and, and praying our words, what John says is we can pray his words. When I remain in him and his word remains in me, then I ask. First thing the word of God does, change your desires. That's right. That's the first thing it does. You get enough of God's seed in your heart, it starts changing the, the crop that you want to produce. It starts changing what you're hungry for. And, and, and I think sometimes we're, we're backing up and, and we're like, God, we need you to move. And, and we want to see your power and we want to see you do something. And God's like, I've already spoke or spoken. I've already spoken. And if I've already spoken, what you need to do is put the seed in the soil. It's not a question of will the seed produce. It's a question of did you get it in the soil? And we're running around trying to be successful and chasing status and our lake house and nothing wrong with that or lake house. I don't know about status, but nothing wrong with lake house. You got one, invite me. I'll come eat your barbecue and ride your jet ski. All right. So, but I mean, um, but nothing wrong with that, but I'm just saying we're chasing all these things, trying to be successful. And here's what the word of God says. Put the seed. Look at this. The word of God produces results. Check this out. Check this out. The word of God purifies me on the, from the inside out. John 15, three, you're clean because of the word I've spoken. Jesus said the word of God creates faith. Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Like you're sitting here like, I just need faith to believe lovingly, humbly. Let me say this because I got to calm down because sometimes people think I'm a little bit mean. And I'm really not. I'm like the nicest person. Yeah. If you don't believe me, ask me. Yeah. <laughs> but sometimes when people say, Pastor, I just don't have the faith for it. I want to say, is the word of God open? Because when I'm, when I'm lacking faith, I know where to find it. Yeah. I go yeah. to the word of God. Yeah. Yeah. Right? I go, like when I'm having trouble believing something God's telling me or believing for something or just believing a problem, I go back to the word of God because faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Okay, here's something. Else. The word of God actually builds you up and releases your inheritance. Actually, Acts, uh, twin, Acts 20, 32. <sighs> Somebody thought I was speaking in tongues. No, I'm just trying to read. <laughs> Hooked on phonics did not work for me. Acts 20, 32. I commit to you the God and to the word, I commit you to God and the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance. So very plainly, the word of God gives you victory. Revelation 12, 11, they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. The word of God saves you. James 1, 21, receive the implanted word, which is able to save your soul. The word of God gives you health. Proverbs 4, 22, they are life to the, your words are life to those who find them and health for their whole body. Your word frees and delivers. John 8, 32, you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. Your word heals. Psalm 107, 20, he sent his word and healed them and delivered them from all their destructions. I'm telling you right now, the word of God has the power to produce after itself. Cheesy preacher moment, cheesy preacher joke. Growing up in church, pastors would get up and they'd say, I'm telling you, I still dance all I want to dance, but now I dance in the spirit. 
Then they say, I drink all I want to drink, but now I drink the new wine. And then they say, I take all the drugs I want to take, but now I take the gossip pills. I told you it was cheesy, but listen to me. (laughs) There is some truth to taking some gospel supplements and getting some gospel pills in your life and putting in there, like, I need joy and I need peace. I'm dealing with anxiety. My, I mean, instead of running, instead of running to the health food store and I'm all, that's great. Instead of ordering some more vitamins and I take vitamins and supplements, I think you should. But I'm telling you, there, there is an answer in the Bible. There is a solution in God's word that has the power of God inherent in it to be released in your life if you'll just take it. <laughs> Listen, I don't always wake up in a good mood either. Somebody just lost their gold star. He can't be mean to the preacher. <laughs> and, 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 and I don't, but there are times I had to look in the mirror and say, you're called according to his purpose. The anointing of God remains in you. God surrounds you with favor as a shield. There are times when I pray, I'm telling you, I pray the word of God. Like with my kids, Isaiah 54, my children will be taught by the Lord and great will be their peace. That word peace is shalom. So Lord, today they will have soundness of mind, soundness of heart. Today, God, they will walk in their calling. They will know their purpose. God, today you will protect them. You will keep them well. You will keep them healthy. Like this is how you use the word of God. This was God's plan. That's why he gave us the word. I don't want to get to heaven and God and, and, and say like, God, you know, it'd been, you know, some things could have gone differently. And he's like, I spoke it. You just never read it. So if you have the word of God, you have the power of God. Here's the second thing. Salvation isn't aimed at your afterlife. It's aimed at your present life. Like, like, like when he says back to Romans 1 16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God unto salvation unto salvation. What we hear, because a lot of church people hear this, oh, it's the power of God to get saved, to get saved. And most people equate saved with um, a term we used to use, born again, which is actually in John 3. It's actually a Jesus term, born again. So we say this, this, in other words, I can get right with God. I can be saved. My sin can be forgiven, born again. And, And that's what we equate that to. But if you'll go study the Greek and you're like, I don't study Greek, good, then I'm here to help you. I don't really study it a lot, but but I do study it enough because Greek words are, and Hebrew words are so much more expressive than sometimes what our English words are. And this word in the Greek is sozo. It's, it kind of is pronounced S-O-Z-T-O, you know, sozo. Uh, we, some people call it sozo. That's not really, I mean, that's how it's technically spelled in our language in Greek. No, never mind. Anyways, the point is sozo is the word. But this word in Greek actually has this meaning, soundness, preservation, healing, safety, deliverance, and prosperity. Let's just read that list again. See if there's anything on there that might be helpful to you. Soundness, preservation, healing, safety, deliverance, prosperity. It sounds like most of what people are trying to get to. Like I'd like some soundness of mind in this chaotic world. I'd like to make it. I need to persevere. I need some perseverance. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, you know, I need healing and I need safety and, and I need to be delivered or I want to prosper. And, and my concern is that sometimes we don't understand that, that God's solution is more powerful than the problem. Let me tell you what I mean by that. So Adam and Eve were perfect with God, relationship with God, purpose, calling, mind, body, soul, everything perfect. And then they fell. And the Bible says they sinned and death entered the world through sin. So death is the problem. It wasn't sin. Sin opened the door. Sin is now a symptom of death, but the problem is death. And this is where religion gets along. We teach people Jesus came so you could act more churchy. You could be more religious. You could get your behavior right. Jesus never preached a lot about behavior unless he was talking to religious people. Isn't that fun? For everyone else, 
He spoke more about issues of life. John 10, the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But I have come that you could be religious. That I have come that you could behave properly. That I've come that you'd get your act together. No, he said that I've come that you would have life. Why? Because death was the problem, so life was the solution. If, if sin was just the problem, the Ten Commandments would have worked. Because they were aimed at, at modifying behavior. But death was the problem, so he sent, he came with life as the solution. The problem is, we think death took from us soundness, peace, joy, prosperity, safety. Death took all those things. But the solution of life only gives us back the ability to go to heaven. And in doing that, we have elevated the problem above the solution. And we've said death is more powerful than life. But I would say death is a natural process. Resurrection is supernatural. This may be the greatest message I ever preached in my life. (laughs) And so sometimes we relegate the solution to be less powerful than what the problem was. And so when God talks in terms of salvation, salvation for him is not about rescuing us. Salvation is about restoring us to his original design and will and intent and purpose. So in the solution is everything to reverse the curse. That's why Jesus became a curse, right? To reverse the curse so that we get to have whatever it was we were supposed to have. So when he says the gospel is the power of God to salvation, he's saying it's the power of God, yes, to make you right with God, but it's the power of God to deliver you. It's the power of God to give you soundness of mind. It's the power of God to give you peace, to restore your emotions, to restore your health. Like it is the power to restore everything that has been lost. So when James 121, he says, receive the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. Think about what it says. It doesn't say save your spirits. He's like, no, the implanted word of God saves your mind. He's not giving us a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. What is soundness of mind? Thinking the way God thinks. That's what sound. In fact, can I just be honest? One of the biggest things that the word of God has to do in, in us to work in us is it has to change our thoughts. Yes. Let me say it a different way. Not even change what we think about, change the basis of the thoughts we have. Yes. Neuroscience will tell you that all thoughts are rooted in one of two things, love or fear. Yes. Right? Like, like I'm never scared. People say, you scared of science or going to disprove God? No. The more science goes, the more they prove what God already said. I'm not scared of good science. They'll eventually come around and prove everything God said. Because God said, perfect love cast out. And science says, neuroscience says, there are two basic platforms of thought, fear and love. Right? And so what does the Bible have to do? The Bible has to teach us to to think from a basis of I am loved. I am loved. What would your life look like if you actually believed that and every day you started and you looked in the mirror and you said, I am loved today. I am perfectly loved by God and I receive the love of God. And today, when, when whatever happens, happens, when it goes bad, I'm going to think I'm loved. And when it goes bad, I'm going to say, thank God I'm loved because now I know because I'm loved, he is working all things together for my good. This is why, like, like Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God, and I like, I like it says this, for the word of God is living. Do you understand what that word says? The word of God is alive. Not words on a page. Can you put something alive in you and it do nothing? And then the writer of Hebrews goes on to say, not only is it living, it is powerful. By the way, that word power is the Greek word where we get the word dynamite. Right? So is the word powerful? I don't know. Does dynamite blow stuff up still? How many would ingest some dynamite and not expect anything to go poorly? 
These are just thoughts I have. But, but what I like about this is it says, and, and it goes, it's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit. And then it goes on to joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Do you know why you need the word of God? Because the word of God helps you understand what you were thinking and what God thinks you should think. Yeah, yeah. Because I don't know, sometimes you got things going. Does anybody else have stuff going on in your head? And you're like, where did this stuff come from? Is this the right stuff? Should I even be thinking this way? Is this the right? I don't know if this is the right way. And the Bible gives us the word of God to tell us how to think. Don't be conformed to this world. Be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. And so the Bible comes, God's word comes to help us with not what we think about. This is my concern. A lot of believers, they change what they think about, but they don't change the basis of their thoughts. So my thoughts are still from, am I loved? Am I accepted? Will God really do it? Does God really do what he says? Is God really with me? Does God really care? Th then you have thoughts with fear as the, this is so good. You have thoughts with fear as the basis. But when you get in the word of God, you say, herein is love. Not that I love God, but he loved, that he loved me and gave himself, gave his son as a sacrifice for me, that the Holy Spirit pours out in my heart the love of God. And, and, and I start thinking, no, today I'm loved. So no matter what happens, I'm going to start by thinking, no, I'm loved. And I'm going to analyze and think about what's happening from a base platform and foundation. I know I'm loved. I know I'm accepted. I know I'm forgiven. I know his presence is with me. I know he will never leave me. He will never forsake me. I'm going to start there because, because then from there, if I'm loved, then, then I'm blessed. And if I'm loved, then I can have peace. And if I'm loved, then I'm righteous. And if I'm loved. And so God doesn't, he doesn't stop the word. <laughs> God doesn't, doesn't relegate this better. He, he doesn't relegate his salvation to you can be forgiven. You can go to heaven. No, that's, that's the front door. But there's a whole house after that where he works to restore everything the enemy has taken from you. Um, here's, let me just say this. The Bible, you just need to know, because Jesus had this message that's usually understood or misunderstood because you, Jesus came saying, um, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And, and I'm going to do a whole series on it, but for now. We think repent means stop sinning. But repent actually means to change the way you think after. It's time stamped. Meaning repentance is our response to revelation. Yes. Or repentance is our response to the revelation of God's word. So he has given us the word and the ability to repent in order to transform the way that we think. Because, because when I receive the revelation, oh, I'm loved, then what repentance means, it doesn't mean like I was sinning and now I'm, I'm going to not sin anymore. Most people understand it was like a Greek theatrical phrase for stage left versus stage right. But, but repent means that, that I was in despair and, you know, I was unloved and not accepted. And then all of a sudden, and then God reveals his love to me and his grace to me and his goodness to me. And it changes the basic platform, the operating system from which my thoughts flow. And so repentance is not something we do one time when we say sin bad, Jesus good. No, repentance is an ongoing process in our life where we are allowing the Holy Spirit through the word of God to upgrade the operating system of our thought life and renew it so that we think like God. Because you cannot live the life. Listen, the Bible says as a man thinks in his heart, so is he, right? So your thinking determines who you are. If you don't like who you are, maybe you should look at what you've been thinking. If you don't like your life, because the Bible says from our thinking, this is really how we are. If you don't like your life, you need to go have a staff meeting with yourself and talk about what you've been thinking about. 
And so repentance is the ongoing work of the Holy Spirit in with, with our responding to his prompting in the word of God by which our minds are renewed so that every time I don't know what to, like, I got laid off. I don't know what to think about that. Well, the enemy's going to come with a fear-based thinking and says, now you're going under. And, you know, you gave some money to the church. That didn't really work for you. And, 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 and you're just going to get angry and bitter and mad and scared. Or the word of God should come and say, the blessing of the Lord makes rich and adds no sorrow. You don't prosper because you have a job. You prosper because you have a God. Is that applicable enough? Listen, you can't think like hell and expect to have heaven. Okay, I'm going to go to point three. So how I receive the word of God determines what I receive from the word of God. How I receive it determines what I receive from it. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God unto salvation to those are everyone who believes to everyone who believes. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it's the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes. For everyone. That's what I like about God. He includes everybody. To the Jew first and the Gentile, it covered everybody. But, but the reality of it is, is I can't expect to receive if I have not believed it. That the way I approach it, the way I honor it determines what it does in my life. A seed that I honor doesn't stay on a shelf in my barn. A pill that I, a gospel <laughs> that's supposed to bring me peace doesn't stay on the shelf. That, that how I receive it, look, look at what Paul told the Thessalonians. He said, and we also thank God continually because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, look at this, you accepted it not as a human word, but as it actually is the word of God, which is indeed at work in you who believe. Why is it at work? Because they accepted it as a word of God. Listen, it's divine inspiration. It's not divine suggestion. And I think, I think the problem is when we talk about receiving the word of God, we're talking about, do we look at it like this is the breath of God? All scripture is God breathed. This is the breath of God. It's the revelation of God. Are we, do we just look at it like another source? Like when something goes wrong, I could Google or I could try to go to the Bible. Google Bible, Google Bible. Because when I honor the word of God, I go to the word of God first. I like this story. Peter had been fishing all night and, and he caught no fishes. I think we had a song about this in kids church one time. Fished all night and caught no fishes, something like that. But isn't that the tune that kind of went with every song? Dun, 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 dun. Jimmy Crack Corn? No, that's a different one. Anyways, I don't think we sung that one in church either. But anyways, <laughs> but Jesus shows up. Think about this. Peter is a fisherman. He had exhausted it, all of his understanding. I mean, he's a professional fisherman, probably with multiple boats is what kind of culture and history tell us, that, that, that he was a businessman. And he knew a lot about fishing. That's how he not only provided for his own family, but for his employees. And he has fished all night, which was the time you were supposed to fish and caught nada. And Jesus shows up on the shore and says, catch anything? No. In fact, he was washing his nets. Washing their nets is something they did when, when they were given up. They were done. It was time to go in. Isn't that kind of how it is in the world? Like we try everything the world has and it doesn't work. So we end up just washing our nets. And then Jesus says, why don't you try the other side of the boat? Right there, you and I had some words for Jesus because he didn't know that was Jesus. Right. This before they became buddies. 
And I don't know about you, but if I'm a professional fisherman and I've been fishing all night, I ain't caught no fish. I'm already mad. I don't know how I'm going to pay my guys. I'm ready just to go in. And some guy from the shore wants to tell me how to run my business. Somebody on Facebook that has never pastored a church wants to tell me how to pastor a church. Somebody that doesn't know my story wants to weigh in on what they think about it. Not knowing I've already tried everything you could try. But thank you for yelling at me from the shore, friend. If you're really a friend, you get out here in the boat. So if we'd have been Peter, we'd have some things to say to Jesus. Here's what Peter said. Lord, we have fished all night. We have caught nothing. And they said this. Nevertheless, at your word. I wonder how many people keep ending up with less because you haven't done the at his word. And Peter said, nevertheless, because your word will never be less. It will always be more. And even though I've tried and I've given up and I've done everything that I can do and it's over and it's time to head to the house and pack it all in. Nevertheless, at your word, I will honor your word above my own desire. I will honor your word above what I want. I will put your word above anything else. I'll put your word first. I'll go to your word first. Problem in a relationship, going to go to your word first. And I'm not going to go to your word to find out what they need to be doing. I'm going to go to your word to find out what I need to be doing. Problem in my finances, I'm going to go to your word first. Problem with my kids, I'm going to go to your word first. Problem at work, I'm going to go to your word first. Nevertheless, at your word. I'm just going I don't have to understand it to do it. I don't have to agree with it to do it. I don't have to like it. I just have to do it. Yeah. <laughs> Hebrews 4, 2. And I'm almost done, I promise. Just give me three more closings and four altar calls. <laughs> Hebrews 4.2 said, For indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as them. So we got two groups of people both heard the same word. But the word which they heard, notice he distinguishes the word they heard. Now what in the word that you heard? We both heard the word, but the word they heard did not profit them not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. He said it's a different word for those who believe it and mix faith with it and those who don't. It's a word that works when you put faith with it and it's a word that doesn't work. It's, it's the same word, two different results. When you mix faith with it, the word, our word worked. Their word didn't. Why? Was something wrong with the seed? No. It just never got in any soil. They didn't, they didn't mix faith with it. And this is my thing. When, when, when we go to the word of God, what does the word of God say about the relationship? What does the word of God say about your finances? What does the word of God say about the soundness of your heart or your soul or your mind? What does the word of God say that your purpose is? What does the word of God say that you need to be doing? What does the word of God say your value system should be? We're past the election now, so I can say this, but what does the word of God say about your vote? Somebody just turn me off. I'm done. Cancel him. Cancel that guy. Right? You can cancel everybody. Apparently you can cancel Dr. Seuss. I wanted so bad to preach me some green eggs and ham today. I will eat green eggs and ham, Sam I am. I will eat them on a plane. I will eat them on a train. I will eat them with a goat. I will eat them on a boat. Did you lose it, Josh? <laughs> I lost Josh. I do like them, Sam. I am. I do like them with a can of ham. But, but I'm just saying, the Word of God is supposed to inform every part of our life. 
It's what we go to first because its words are powerful. And instead of Googling and trying everything else, go to the word of God. By the way, let me hear pro tip. You ready for a pro tip? Because some of you are like, I don't know how to find it in the word of God. Google. Talk about God redeeming everything. Google. Like if you're wondering what the Bible says about your relationships, get in Google and say verse or scripture about relationships. And watch, because it'll pull up the Blue Letter Bible or the Open Bible or something like that. And it'll list you a hundred verses about what the Bible says about relationships. This is a pro tip. I just saved your life right there. You're welcome. You can put the same thing. What does the Bible say about finances? What is it about? Listen, one thing that I do, like I know a lot of the Bible, like it's in there. Um, but a lot of times when I'm, when I'm getting ready, even for a series like this, I will go pull all the verses where the Bible talks about the Bible. And I'll sit every week and I'll just read those verses. Now I knew a lot of them, but I'll find verses like, oh man, I don't ever remember that one. I read it. I don't know how many times I just don't remember it. It hasn't been committed to memory. But what I'm saying is it just fills me up fills me up. And the same thing, like I, I don't ever, anytime I'm facing anything, I go to the Bible and I get me a gospel. Listen, I love my mama. She's in this circle. By the way, my parents celebrated 50 years of marriage <laughs> on Friday. Awesome. Celebrate them. But my mama got a pill for everything. I ain't lying. She got a pill for everything. But I'm telling you right now, God has a gospel for everything. They're power words. You can eat you a power bar, but you can get you some power words and let the word of God work in your life to produce the will of God, the purpose of God the provision of God, the peace of God. Come on, I'm on peace right now. Let God's word work in you. Amen. Come on, can you give Jesus one more hand? I'm, I'm really done. <laughs> Why don't you stand with me? God, we thank you so much for your word. Thank you for your word, God. You have given us your power in pill form, gospel, and in word form. You've given us your will in word form. God, we want to honor it. We want to follow it. So take a moment right now. Every head bowed. Don't, don't turn, if you're online, don't, don't turn anything off. Just do this with us. But where you're at, every person, just pray a simple prayer like this. Say, God, what do you want to say to me? Just real simple. And then have just an expectation that I think God will speak something to you. He may already have, but I want everyone to leave with God speaking something to your spirit. And so you just say, God, what are you saying to me? God, what are you saying to me? And God, I just pray you speak to every person, every person. every heart, every life. And now with our, with our heads, everyone just take a moment. You're listening to God. Heads are bowed. Online, don't leave. But if you're in this room and, and you need a relationship with God, like a real authentic relationship with God, not, not, I'm not asking if you've ever been to a church service. Obviously, you're here. I'm not asking if you sang a song, prayed a prayer, read a scripture. All those are wonderful things. But I'm talking about when the Bible talks about a relationship with God, it's not talking about a relationship with the Bible. It's not even talking about a relationship with religion. It's not talking about a relationship with the church. It's talking about a relationship individually, individualized, specific to you, you and God, God and you. And my prayer is today, if there's anybody that that's not what you have, you don't really know God, you don't really hear God, you don't really follow God. It's not that you don't want to, it's just maybe you never even knew that was possible, that you could have a relationship with God, you and him. He could talk to you, you could talk to him. I want to pray with you if that's what you want. You say, well, I don't know if that's what I need, if that's what I want. Well, 
I found that the Holy Spirit, according to the Bible, draws us to God. And so if you're like, I don't know, is that for me or not? I don't know. Do you feel a nudge or a pull, something in your heart, in your chest, in your stomach, just something saying, yeah, that's, I think I need that. I think that's me. If that's it, that's probably God. And I want to pray with you. And I, I'm going to ask you to do one more thing. Even if you're at home in a room by yourself, I want you to do this just as an act of faith and and that is, if that's you and you're like, I need a relationship with God, I can feel his presence, I want to know him, I want you just to lift your hand up. Even if you're in, if you're in this room, lift it up, but also if you're in your living room, just lift it up. And by doing that, you're saying, God, here I am, and that's what I want. I want to know you. I want a relationship with you. And if you lifted your hand, you would pray a prayer to God. It's really a declaration, but this is kind of that first conversation that starts all other conversations with God where you say, God, I believe in you and your son, Jesus. I believe he died and rose again for me. And I ask you to forgive me. And as your word says, make me a new creation and help me to follow you. And God, I pray for whoever prayed that prayer, God, that, that you would reveal yourself to them, that they would know you and God, that you would guide them. God, we thank you for it. Lord, for the rest of our church, help us, Lord. Help us, God, to receive from your word, to believe it, to act upon it, to stand upon it, to trust in it, to honor it. And God, as we do, we're going to see the power of your word released in our lives. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Yeah, God is good. Um, I want to invite our prayer team to come. We end all of our worship experience with a time for prayer. If you're on the prayer team, come. Anyone, if you need prayer or would like prayer for anything, we'd be honored to pray with you. Everyone else, we say a big God bless you. We love you so much. Thank you for being here. We pray God's best for you. Go take over your world. Do some random acts of kindness. Invite somebody to Easter. We'll see you next weekend. God bless you.